0: Good evening, good evening, good evening. Well, the sun isn't shining. The birds aren't chirping, but you are breathing. And tonight is Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Tonight's word of the night, that still sounds strange to me, is wangle, which means to make or get by devious means. Wangle. Hope everyone enjoyed that Thursday. Uh, the end of the work week is here. It's upon us. One more day of the hustle and bustle of the work world. Good luck. Well, let's go get it. We will not forgive. We will not forget we will hunt you down. Those will probably be the most infamous words of Joe Biden's administration or have been the most efficient words of Joe Biden's administration thus far. May it quite well be. Uh, uh, one of his, his, his most famous quotes, let's just say that all of this is, is spurred as a result of uh, 13 U.S. service members and 60 Afghan civilians that were killed at the Cabal Airport this today in Afghanistan. Wow. After all of this came about after two suicide bombers detonated their devices, one outside of the gate to the Cabal Airport and the other one at a hotel that was a short distance away. Now, what, what the U.S. Service, member, service members were doing, what they were continuing to continuing to do was uh, they were screening those Afghans fleeing, and some American civilians also. They were fleeing Afghanistan. Now, that infamous statement, or could be infamous statement, we will not forgive, we will not forget, we will hunt you down, is directed, of course, at ISIS-K. They flat out said, yeah, we did it. Braggadocious, aren't they? And I'll get to that too. Biden asked his military officials to develop a plan to attack ISIS assets and higher ups. Looks like he's going to send more troops in. Just does. Maybe. I mean, it it has to happen. Now, ISIS issued a statement saying ISIS-K, I should say, uh, whatever the hell that means, issued a statement saying their fighters or their fighters were uh, were able to overcome all the U.S. security fortifications to come no more than five meters, which is equivalent to just over five yards from American forces. And yeah, they were, like I said, 15 uh, uh, service members were killed, 60 Afghan civilians. President Biden says uh, he went to, he's, he's, he's been in talks with his top, military, uh, generals and, and, and what have you. And, and to flat out told them whatever you need, just let me know. No questions asked, no hesitation. I'll give it to you. Yeah, you do. You need to. ISIS is, is, is back. I mean, they were in hiding. This, this is just what they did. They were in hiding or, or playing possum, waiting for this day or waiting for this moment, I should say, and President Biden goes on to say, I believe he's still saying August 31st he's pulling out. But if the U.S. military and, and those high-ranking officials need anything in between then or, or whatever, he, they can have it. He didn't give a date or time as to when he would attack ISIS, but it, it would be at a time of his choosing. I can, I can rest assured when I say that. It's just amazing to think that. Even though he, they, we the United States has evacuated a, a, a great number of uh, the U.S civilians and Afghans civilians or allies that were working with the United States they're saying they still have quite a bit more because what they're hearing is a lot of people can't get to that road to the airport because the Taliban has blocked it off they blocked it off and and, and they're screening who's coming in and out. they're not letting anybody out headed in that direction to that airport. They just aren't. So just wow. Wow, man. Uh, prayers for the U.S. service members' families and prayers for those Afghans also. You know, no one wants to the, the really and truthfully think that this, this could happen now in 2021, but hey, that's just what the U.S. Well, this that's just what they've been up against for 20 years. 20 years after they have trained, giving given artillery and weaponry, after they have tried to put in a government, a democratic government, it's all gone to naught. Because it looks like, where does it look like? It looks, it, the Taliban it ain't going nowhere. They're there. And then they got ISIS backing them up. Like I said, it appears that ISIS and Taliban have been playing possum all these years. So it also looks like the same thing because they were going through this when they first got there, when the U.S. first got there 20 years ago. So the first the thing they were they were dealing with when they first got there 20 years ago, they're now dealing with when they're leaving 20 years later. Attacks. And that what they're saying also is this is the worst attack on U.S. service members in 10 years. 15 dead. And and this is, like I said, the ICE, ISIS statement saying their fighter was able to overcome all security fortifications to come no more than five meters from the American forces. How did, how did that happen? They were, like I said, laying in wait in disguise. How do you tell them apart? How do you tell them apart? Because once they detonated those bombs, they had uh, I don't know what you would call them, but they were they were in the crowd and they just started shooting also. So that's another way they were able to kill some of those Afghan civilians and maybe some of the service members also. So they were standing in the crowd. And once those bombs went off, they just started shooting. Now, if you're like me and you're thinking to yourself, wow, wow. How, if you're saying how could that happen? Hey, that's, like I said, that's what the U.S. has been up against for 20 years, not knowing where the, the, not knowing who your enemy truly is. And another thing for those Afghan soldiers that threw their weapons down and surrendered, were they really Afghan soldiers or were they Taliban and ISIS, not just sympathizers? Are they a part of that? Because I don't understand how after 20 years of being trained and paid, because they were paid by the U.S. also, let's not forget that. You got to understand when, when when the U.S. came, there, there weren't any funds. So the U.S. was paying them taxpayer dollars. They were paid. And they just threw their weapons down and surrendered or walked away. Maybe they walk back into what they really were. Maybe I mean, like I said in the previous podcast, when they threw those guns down, what do you what do you think they just the the, the Taliban was just going to leave them there to to rust and dry rot? Nope, they picked those things up. Now they're using them. They just are. Like I say, that's the world we live in. That's Afghanistan. That's why I say that's all the more reason for the United States to pull out. President Biden also he is he's, he's standing firm by that August thirty five uh, August thirty first withdrawal, and he's also well he's also said that he's uh, whatever the military needs to attack these ISIS's the ISIS strongholds and and assets, and and them as a whole. Just let him know, but he's still saying August thirty first the U.S. is pulling out. And it's a hard task because what's happening is uh, they're getting reports that a lot of the, the U.S. civilians that are still left there and a lot of the Afghan allies that was helping the U.S. can't get to that airport because the Taliban has blocked that road off. They're screening who comes in and who goes out. They may let you in, but they ain't letting you out that easy. So, wow. It's turned into a colossal mess if I could say that. It just has. Now I know I'm pretty sure by the time this is uh this podcast is over, or if it hasn't already started, a lot of people are going to be blaming Biden like they did when when all of this started. Uh let me just say this. This this is just politics. Uh how you could fathom the notion if you truly, truly and and, and thoughtfully how you could say and I'm not a Biden fan, by the way. How you could say that he's responsible for this is absurd. This is what the Taliban, Taliban and, uh, and ISIS does. This is just who they are. And like I said before, the United States was told before you went there, don't go. Don't put troops on the ground. It's unwinnable. It is an unwinnable war. This is the inevitability that we are facing now. This was inevitable. It was inevitable because obviously, I got to be honest with you, I just don't think those Afghan soldiers that were trained by the U.S. service members, I don't think they were ever had any attentions of making that government a democracy. Is the Taliban that bad? Is ISIS that bad, big, bad, and scary? Are they those bullies that you would just throw your weapons down and surrender that easily? Hell, the U.S. hadn't even pulled out all the troops yet, and they started giving up. Maybe they are. Maybe they know something about ISIS and the Taliban that we don't. But I would think... You had the military personnel. You had the military arsenal because they just didn't give you guns. They left some tanks, some helos, those Black Hawks over there with those missiles, and you were trained in it. I would think you would know what to do with them, but then again, maybe not. Maybe they're just that bad. Now, uh, another thing that has came out: one of the top-ranking generals for the United States military has said. Uh, We can expect more of these attacks. Yeah, because that's what they did. Like I said, once they first got there. So maybe uh, uh, ISIS and they're they're being very braggadocious when, you know, like I said, when they said the five meter things, a five yard thing, they were able to uh, penetrate every uh, U.S. security fortification. Maybe they are telling you, hey, you, you were here for 20 years. So what? Now they're kicking you in the ass on your way out. Wow. Just wow. So, I mean, pray, pray for those U.S. service members, families, pray for those Afghan civilians, families also that were killed. Because at the end of the day, they were just trying to leave. I mean, hey, they didn't want any part of the Taliban or ISIS. They were just just caught out there. Just a sad situation all the way across the board, and and also, I mean, like I said, if everybody's thinking about blaming Biden, I don't think Trump, I don't think Obama. This was an, an inevitable. This was going to happen. It doesn't matter who was president, because like I said, they were told once once before, the very first at the start of this, don't put troops on that on the ground in Afghanistan. It's unwinnable. They're very res- resilient. And that they are because they popped right back up like a gopher <laughs> digging in a yard on the golf course. Just wow. Wow. Well, this I, I, and now this next story, I don't know if this is an indication of 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 those we have in office here in North Carolina. By office, I mean the House of Representatives and in, in, in the Senate. I don't know if this is an indication of of the people that we have here uh, of their forward thinking of or of their not thinking. Or maybe it's an indication of us as a society and how far and how long we have allowed our children to run amok because House Bill 207 has passed. Now, if you're wondering, well, uh, excuse me, it's not House Bill. If you're wondering what's Senate Bill 207, Senate Bill 207 Was approved Tuesday. Now that raises the age of North Carolina youngest defendants from six to eight years of age. Now, if you remember or you heard, I did a podcast also uh, a few months ago, and many of you may have heard about the six-year-old that was hauled into court for picking tulips. North Carolina at that time was the uh, only state, or well, well, it was the only state that that had that. They had the youngest age of six that you can haul someone into court or or haul a child into court or juvenile. So they raised it from six to eight. Now, many that were opposed to that six years were saying, no, raise it to 10, 12, 14 or whatever. Yes, six was six six years of age. That's too young to have kids in the judicial system. And I don't think eight years of age is any any better. But apparently, uh, and the bill is headed to Governor Cooper's desk, still haven't heard anything as to whether or not he's going to uh, sign it or not. But um, what has came out of this is a a, a Republican lawmaker issued a statement saying that the, the age that was raised from six to eight was due to the fact that they had received... A lot of expressed concern from North Carolina district attorneys about young people committing serious crimes. Sweet Jesus, what in the world? what, what can an eight-year- old do? <sighs> Apparently, lawmakers changed the language of this bill to say kids as young as eight could force accusations that are equivalent to felonies. eight-year- old facing felony charges while only the 10 years of age and up could be accused of the equivalent of misdemeanors and some low-level felonies or high-level felonies. Now, this, this Republican lawmaker goes on to say, I think anytime we move things into a better direction, even if we don't get it all the way there, where we want it, where we want to have it, I think we have done a lot of good. He goes on to say that now this all this information he's saying it, it, as it relates to these these this age. he got this from uh north carolina's uh, there's a North Carolina district attorney's association, if I could say that now what the information they got ga- gathered the data they gathered said that the last just just in the last three years, about thirty children, ages eight to ten, faced juvenile charges. That would meet the definition of serious felony charges in the bill that is on its way to the governor's desk. So, what they're saying, and then also uh, hold on, what and also what they're saying is, while wow, more than one thousand would have been kept from the system under the, the the change of the bill, also, so what they're saying, based off of their their data, the ten year olds. That, you know, everyone was saying, wait, if you're going to raise it, raise it to 10 years old. Those those that oppose that six year old uh, age, minimum age requirement for uh, uh, hauling a kid into court. They were saying what well, at 10 or 12 or 14. What they're saying based off of their data, these kids are starting out as young as eight years of age. And I said to myself, well, what the hell can an eight year old do? According to their data and statistics of these district attorneys. The serious charges that these youngins face are assault or sex offense charges. Now, by the way, if you think it is, this, like I said, this guy was a Republican. If you think it was just Republicans that are, that were in favor of this bill, think again, because some Democrats agreed also with the passage saying it's a great starting point and encouraging. So what they're saying is, yeah, it's a great starting point at eight years of age. Somehow or another, they got this little compromise going on, sounds like, when they reached across the aisle and said, no, we can't give you 10, we'll give you eight. Okay, we'll take eight. It's a great encouragement to start somewhere. So when we come back however many years later, close to an election, we can argue for 10. Ooh. Thank you. How thoughtful. Now, like I said, if you're thinking that it was just Republicans, a lot of Democrats, like I said, agreed to, uh, to it also. And, and one even said, like I said, it's a great starting point and encouraging. Now, what also another Democratic lawmaker said is that she's encouraging uh, the lawyers representing these youth, youths to ask for capacity hearings to see if they, the children know that what they're up against being in the judicial system this early. Uh, no, doesn't matter Uh, your capacity hearing or whatever, or what have you, uh, there's no way in the world you could convince me that these kids know they're being quite possibly could be sitting in a juvenile facility uh, or one of those harsh juvenile facilities for the majority of their life, what it appears to be what they're trying to do. I'm sorry. It just sounds like that. I could be wrong. And I also could be wrong when I, you know, when I said earlier that maybe this is an indication, of how we as society have allowed these kids to run amok, that they're actually going to prosecute eight-year-olds as felons. Maybe these kids, hey, these gangs, who knows what these kids are doing? A lot of kids, like I've always said, are born, literally born into gangs. So what are these kids at eight years of age are doing? Well, they say they face a lot of them have been uh, assault and sexual offense charges. Wow. What have we allowed as a society, as a whole, that they actually would have a bill to jail your child at eight years of age? Let's get past all of the, the, the this. Uh, the the mantra or mindset of minorities and inequities and all of this, your eight year old child could one be arrested. Could be placed in a facility that's equivalent to an adult jail. I don't care how how fancy the wording is juvenile facility or group home or whatever could be placed into a jail and then bought before the judge and charged with a felony and quite easily spend the majority of their life locked up, if not all of their life locked up, because of what they've done. What, what does that say about us as a society? It says a whole lot, if you ask me, that we've allowed these kids to run amok. Now, that Republican lawmaker that got that data from those, that District Attorneys Association, those DAs have been prosecuting or or seeing these kids come in for a while. Now, they were saying within the last three years, they were just throwing that out as, as a gimme. How long has this been going on? You know, also the. Uh, the newspaper that, that broke this story uh, uh, several months back said that a child nine years old had broken a window of some and the landlord wanted to prosecute him. Uh, then he had the six year old that was picking tulips in the yard. That's that's. Wow. Eight years old and and eight years of eight years of age I was nowhere near this. This screams of a societal problem that we have allowed to fester for so long. To the point now the courts are getting involved and there ain't they ain't, I mean, they ain't trying to 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 soothe your child at this point because it's just like this what I was told when I was coming up. Once you're in the system, you're in the system. So it would be to your best interest to stay out of the system at all costs. You know, like my mama used to tell you, I ain't got no money to bail you out. <laughs> she made that clear from day one. And I ain't coming to visit you. So it would be to your best interest not to even get involved in whatever the hell will get you locked up and in trouble, because I just, hey, Chief Floud told me I don't visit inmates. <laughs> uh, hey, I don't blame her, but I got to ask again: what is going on with with this this parents that the system it has made it all the way into a a Senate bill that is going to the governor's desk that they are really and truthfully going to send kids eight years of age to court and into the system and into the prison. Now, I hear people talking about that school to prison pipeline. There you go. School to prison pipeline. Just like I when I did the podcast several a month or so ago about the school to prison pipeline, I asked the question well, what are the parents doing? I gotta ask here also, what are you doing as a parent? That your eight-year-old could quite possibly be hauled into jail, hauled into court and in jail. This is a, a a societal problem. This doesn't have anything to do with a system or or, or a system of racism. This is about you as a parent. Yeah. Racism's out there. I'm not gonna deny that. But you as a parent, what are you doing that your eight-year-old could be placed in the system? School to prison pipeline. It's like we as a society are feeding it, feeding them in there. We don't have to rely on this systemic racism. We're feeding them in there. What is going on in your life as an adult that you, an adult and a parent, that you just stand by and and watch your eight year old or ten year old or twelve year old or fourteen year old spiral out of control and you just stand there and, and, and really no way no way no way no way no way I can't put this totally at the at the doorstep of 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 uh uh, the lawmakers and, and, and the police and the DAs. I just can't do that. And I'm not going to do that. This is a societal par- parental problem. That is huge. How in the world is this happening? That they have to put a law in the books that say at eight years old, we can snatch your child up and lock them up. Eight years old. Do you know if I had came to my mother's doorstep with a police officer or she had gotten a call at eight years of old, eight years of age, I'm sorry, that I had been arrested or detained, however you want to say it. Do you know that woman probably would have came down there (laughs) and snatched my whole soul out of my body? Why aren't parents doing this? because you're relying on someone else to do it well this is what happens when you sit around and you say i can't do this woes me yeah i'm saying it i'm saying it this woes me systemic racism the society is against me because i'm black this is what happened because this is what this bill is geared towards let's just be honest with each other let's just be honest the game problem kids uh, not going to school you know i i like I said, I work in retail, and man, I'm, I'm sitting in the, I'm, I'm not working in the store on several occasions, and I see these little kids, this was before COVID, I see these little kids that should be in school that are out just walking around. I'm thinking, where the hell is the parent? Living La Vida Loca, living their best life. There's no way in the world you can convince me that this has, this is, a, you can't lay everything on the system time for you to take some personal accountability and responsibility. Yeah, there's a school-to-prison pipeline because we're feeding it as a society. We're feeding that school-to-prison pipeline. Let's just be honest. Nobody's running around, walking around, just snatching your kid up just because. Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do as a parent. Eight years old, six years old, eight years old, 10, 12, 14, standing in front of a judge. Where are you as a parent? Like I said, I I know full well, if that had happened, if I had done something like that, I know full well, chances are I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. (laughs) I just wouldn't. Like I said, she would have came down there, snatched my soul right out of my body in front of everybody. Wouldn't care about no police. Wouldn't care about no social workers. Wouldn't need them. Hell, she'd probably whoop their asses too. I don't need you. (laughs) I don't need you butting in, in my business. I'll handle him. I'll handle him. And that she would. So I, I'm, I'm just saying, how much of this can we blame on society and these lawmakers? It, it, it's, it's quite disturbing that lawmakers would actually have to waste time and taxpayers' dollars to put this bill or try to put this bill into law. Still so no word on if Governor, Cooper's, Governor Cooper is going to uh, sign it or not hate to say it, chances are you will. Like I said, a lot of Democrats said they don't see a problem with it either. It's a starting point. Sweet Jesus. Well, that's all for me tonight. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this evening. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice. So offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Verbal, WordPress, and Public Radio and Radio Public. And as always, this is Stephen Cornigey for. This is just a thought. Amen.